Hey guys, welcome and thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. And I am so excited about today's show, you just don't know. Why? I'm excited because I gotta tell you something, I've met a lot of people in this industry along my journey over the last 20 years in cannabis, but never really a person like the person that we're interviewing today. I mean, I, I think he's a one of a kind. And yes, of course, he's one of a kind because he's a celebrity, one of a kind because he's probably one of the most infamous and famous rappers and, and, and uh, actors and artists in the industry today. And he's a rapper who literally stayed true to himself and defined himself, didn't let other people define him. That's not part of the reason why I'm so excited, but it's the person who I've literally been able to build a really good friendship with over the course of the last few years. And the person who's had my back and stayed true to a friendship and a friend. And so my guest today is rapper, he's a DJ, he's a record producer, he's an actor. He rose to fame in the early 90s as an artist on the Def Jam label and is well known for his collaborations with his close friend, Mr. Method Man, as one half of the rap duo Method Man and Red Man. He released his debut album back in 1992 and was named the Rapper of the Year by Source Magazine. He's gone on to release many more gold albums, star in numerous films and video games. Reginald Noble is the name, better known to some as Redman. My friend, thanks so much for being a part of the show today, sir. How you doing? <laughs> Yo, uh, first of all, I have never had an intro like that ever, not even coming to the <laughs> stage. So thank you for my welcoming and warm intro. Thank you, Uncle, Mon Uncle Monty. It's a pleasure to be here. It's, a, you know, it's from the heart, my brother. And, you know, it's really interesting. I want people, why don't you go ahead and tell people why you call me Uncle Monty? Because I tell you, it's very funny. First off, in my last, you know, I'm going to give out the number of years that I've been around this planet, but I hardly, I have hard, I've never let anybody in my life call me Monty, A. Uh -huh. B, I appreciate hearing it coming from you <laughs> and look forward to hearing Unky <laughs> put on the front of it, man. So uh, why don't you tell people where you came up with that nickname for me? Well, it's a, it's a respect thing. Like, you know, if, if you're from, you know, you're from the hood, you're, you, you know that uh, we have a level of fine line of respect for our, for our, our brothers. That's, that's even maybe even two years older than us. We call them our big brothers. It gives us a, a, a fine line of respect between two people. And I'm I'm not doing anything that Snoop wouldn't do because if Snoop ran into you, he would say right off the bat, Uncle Monty, because Uncle brings a kind of fabric to the world that we respect our big brother, our uncle Montel Williams, for the the this his success, his accomplishments, um, everything that he motivates people with, because I already told you, you're a big inspiration in my life, bro. And everything that you tell me, I implement. So the uncle is just really out of respect. Like you're not that much older than us. Than us. We could call you big brother, but the uncle comes with the accomplishments and your goals and what you already accomplished and what you're going after more in the continuation of your path. So we have to stamp uncle in front of that. And a Monty, it's <laughs> like, you know, why not Monty? Instead of saying Uncle Montel, that's too formal. I'm going to go with Uncle Monty. It gives a more family, more connection, more respect, just more of everything. And I'm, like I said, Snoop Dogg can agree. Meth can agree. Uh, uh, Be Real can agree because we're like the forefathers in this marijuana game for us, the rap industry. And we all agree that you, Uncle Monty, you... You put this marijuana game on the front line like we did. You didn't deter away from your 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 from what cannabis done for you, for the platform you was on, and anybody that you dealt with far as business. You always ups uh, upheld your ground on that, and that's one thing we respect on you that on that. So Uncle Monty fits perfectly. Thank you so much, my brother. And I'll wear that moniker for now for life. And you know. It's really interesting when you just said it, you know, you Snoop, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of working on a collaboration with Snoop's production company right now on an issue telling some of the stories of those who literally came before us, those who were, you know, victims of the war on drugs and those stuck in prison, 
for doing something as simple as just possessing a little bit of cannabis. So, right. you know, I, I much respect back to all of you for laying, laying the ground. Let's go back though, man, in time. Well, I should say before I even do that, let me ask you, my friend, uh, how are you and your family doing and dealing right now doing this whole COVID thing? Um, thank you for asking. Um, um, like we good, we fine. Um, we, we do understand that it's, it's about taking care of your, your body, taking care of your immune system. And uh, staying safe, we all mask up, uh, you know, like we, we're in a tri-state area. So this is like kind of the heart of the COVID and how everything started. And we see a lot of economic differences, like far as what the states is going through and what people are going through losing their jobs. So we're in the heart of it. And how we stand sane is just waking up every day and thanking God that we're alive and healthy and just taking care of our health and masking up. Absolutely, my friend. So, you know, let me, um, you know, it, 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 it's had to have had some impact on your industry, on uh, the music industry or music production. Has it had any impact on producing music? Absolutely. Uh, far as, well, not producing because, you know, like, you know, guys that work in studios, you know, basically we have our own studio. Like, as you see in the background here, this is my own studio. I live here by myself. So, there's, I have studio equipment everywhere in here and I could just come right downstairs and work, which gives me the, uh, the, the, the comfort of being safe without going out. Now, far as the shows where we accumulate our money from far as being outside and dealing with crowds that hasn't picked up. Um, I can honestly say that you know, I always ask, you know, God, you know, on my issues and how I move through life. And he, one, it, it seems like when one door closes, one always open and you just got to know what that is. And I actually picked up the neck to work right here behind me and generate, you know, at least 80% of what I was making during shows, uh, going on stage and and dealing with the public. So I'm more in tune here now. Uh, the show thing slowed down for everyone. Like, for example, me and Meth, our last show was like maybe in January. We don't have another show maybe until maybe next May or August. So, uh, but we found other means of income to learn to work out the house. Since the world have changed, uh, it also changed for us how we get our income now everything is virtual now so we can do things virtually that bring us just as much income as we was doing shows so i say it's kind of balancing up it's still not there yet it'll be wonderful when we get back on the road with the things that i have learned to make money here and make show money but right now we're just virtual everything is out the house there's no shows uh I heard there's other people, <clears throat> what they are doing right now, um, just to let the world, the rap world know as well, because they do need to hear this. There are companies that are building a lot, a lot of virtual websites where they're sending, <clears throat> excuse me, they're sending uh, fans that pay for a ticket to see the show. They're sending them actual glasses. And I actually, um, I tried it, for example. I put on the glasses and I'm standing on stage and I actually see people in the audience in the booths in a seat and everyone around the world can have a glass have these pair of glasses and they throw them on and they're actually sitting at the show in the arena while i'm performing and there has shows been done like that is not fully implemented yet they're working out the kinks but it's coming along um, i can say it's, it's it's a whole virtual uh, theater then yes it, it is so i i can say far as Anyone that does shows right now, everyone money has stopped. I'm not stopped completely, but slowed down tremendously because of this COVID and not being able to deal with the public like we were. And I, I tell you something, you know, I, I am a motivational speaker. And, you know, a couple about a month ago, I did a, you know, for uh, Veterans Day, I did a uh, motivational presentation for a company and I had to do the whole thing virtually just like this, you know, in front of a, my computer screen. And I got to tell you, I, I thought, for myself, that wasn't the most comfortable of a place to be in because, you know, just like you, you know, and other entertainers, you, you feed off of that energy of those people that are 25, 30 feet away. You feed off of looking into the eyes of those people that are 20, 30, 40 away. So, 
and and that also helps, I think, with your creativity. You know, and the way you present your material. So, how has this affected you creatively? Do you still feel the same creative juices? Um, I kind of do still feel the same creative juices because most of the creativity comes from here. Like everything starts from home, the base. And <clears throat> what what I can say is that even though the shows have slowed up. Uh, far as making income that way, the online sales of old albums have picked up far as a lot of artists. Like a lot of, of my old albums have picked up tremendously. A lot of Method Man old albums picked up. Matter of fact, everyone in the industry, Busta Rhymes, EPMD, KRS-One, all of our catalog have picked up digitally uh, through streaming now because of this COVID. Um, it's not hard to be creative during this time, actually, we, I'm, I found myself more creative uh, during this time because spending time in the house is what I do. I like to uh, master my craft. And when you master your craft, it opens other doors for you to learn other things. Like from me mastering my craft, doing my album that I got waiting right now, it's going to be a monster. I'm dropping it next, uh, next year around spring. So I'm sitting on that. And I had an opportunity to either drop it this year or next year. And I'm like, I can't promote the album if I drop it this year. I have to be inside promoting the album virtually. So I would rather wait till it loosens up a little so I can at least go out and shake the hands of people and, you know, promote my album uh, being out and get that eye contact and that feeling that you was just talking about, you know, like I am on stage. Um, far as the creativity, it allowed me to be more creative and to actually start a radio show, which I had you on. And that opened the door because I learned to edit more being here. I learned my creativity opened the door for me to edit and learn how to cut a radio show now. Now I'm cutting radio shows besides an album now. So I, it actually turned out for the best for me, you know, being inside more during this COVID and being more creative. How about from a messaging standpoint, have you noticed, have you, have you been... Um adding any of the COVID, COVID mentality into some of your songs, meaning you're, you're talking about the fact that, you know, we are hunkered down, or are you talking about the fact being stuck at home, or are you talking about, you know, the virus, or are you talking about the way the virus is affecting people of color? You know, I can tell you, it's really funny. A couple of years back, well, a couple, not a couple of years, about 20 years ago, really, I, I'm going to date myself here, but about 25 years ago, <laughs> I wrote a screenplay play with a person. Um, I won't give out the title, but I, I wrote a screenplay that talked about a virus that was manufactured by, I used it in my screenplay as the, the, the villain, you know, a former person who was like a intern working in a Nazi laboratory. And this guy had literally created a virus that would impact people based on the amount of melanin in their skin. So the darker shade you were, the more the virus would attack you and kill you. It was a kind of a, like a Nazi thing that was going around. And then you take a look at what's going on right now when it comes to COVID and the fact that the majority of people who are dying from this virus are people of color, makes you stop and snatch you up to attention here real quick to say, hmm, now, I don't wonder if I was ahead of my time, but Jesus, I hope that I didn't think that crap up 25 years ago. But are you using any of the COVID stuff in your creativity? You know, um, um, I'm not very political at all. Um, I'm more of a common sense guy on how the world moves. And uh, like, I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, you know, like this underground uh, underground platform called MREC TV show, MREC and Amina. Uh, but they, they, I listen to them and it shows me that I'm not too far off track of how I think since I'm not political. Far as in my rhymes, I tap in a little bit on the COVID and what it's doing to people. But in my point of view, it's like a bigger picture. Like this COVID is like for us to just look past something. That's, that's how, for some reason, that's how I always think about, you know, how the government moves and the whole just how, you know, the whole, the whole circumference of it, it's like, what's the bigger picture that they're doing, what they're hiding with this COVID? Um, is it an economic virus? 
to, you know, you know, to destroy the economic value that we have going on for us, the dollar. And it's just so much that I implement that I cannot really just tap on in a song. But what I do, what I do tap in on, because I do a lot of prop nonprofit work with my 211 media team out in Newark, New Jersey. We do tremendous work out there. And how we attacking this COVID meth, uh, this COVID situation, uh, I'm not, just uh, generally doing it through my music. I'm actually working with my program to show the people that, okay, we can help you with food at, your, at times and needs. We do our annual toy drive, but being there, uh, the connection, letting the people see us, we, we, we believe in not just cutting a check from a desk. We, we are there. I'm actually there. How I'm handling this COVID situation with my people in my city, because it all starts from home. If you can't help your home, you can't help the world. You got to at least start from home. And I let them know that the connection of this COVID is separating us with the mass and people don't want to be around each other. And it's just separating us more. So we kind of implement that connection of being there. We're here for you. Even though we're masked up, we're still connecting for you. We're bringing out jobs for you here, right here on the street. We're giving out our toy drive right here. We're still connecting. So that's my bigger picture of this COVID. Um, I know the virus is deadly and and it is offing uh, of more of our people of color, but it's also disconnecting us from each other tremendously, man. Like from, from culture wise or just being standard, wanting to be around a person. It's just disconnecting the, it's just interesting as you say that because I mean here we are talking about let's be blunt and you know I mean when when it comes to the cannabis space and I want you to go ahead and tell people share with people your experience and your relationship to cannabis but in the cannabis space I mean it's like COVID is like shut down one of the more most important parts of cannabis which has always been you know that ability to pass a joint to somebody else and to pass it back to yourself and to share time and space and energy with people that's come to an end, man. You know, you, you go, you go to places and people got their own and they ain't sharing it with you. You know, you got to bring your own or they going to bring an extra one and give you that one, but you ain't lipping them with them. That's so, right. I mean, how, how's that? First off, tell people about your relationship with cannabis and then how has COVID affected your relationship to cannabis? Um, well, my relationship with cannabis, everyone knows I've been uh, on the front lines with cannabis since 92, since I dropped my album. And it's, uh, you know, it's no, it's, you know, I, I, you know, we wasn't reinventing the wheel when we came out talking about cannabis as far as me, uh, Cypress Hill, Snoop, Meth. And I say the, these four guys a lot because we, we, we actually believed in this plant before we even knew it would be to this level of being legalized and everything. So we was putting something on the front line that we enjoy that, we missed a lot of endorsements and money from and other companies and brands wanting to deal with us because of what we believed in. Uh, so everyone knows Redman for that. I'm going to always be a cannabis. Uh, uh, I'm going to be a cannabis celeb. I'm going to be a cannabis frontliner all day. Um, far as COVID um, and cannabis, me and Mef stopped sharing blunts 20 years ago. All right, let's be very clear. Like I, I, I stopped sharing blunts 15 years ago because of the fact I smoke backwards and you have to have a certain quality like backwards are never perfect to roll. So you got to use a certain type of saliva and whatever to get it to roll the correct way. And that part, I'm not trusting to be smoking off another, you know, far as vape pens, that's something a little different, but the tobacco and rolling when people got to roll with the saliva, that's a whole different ball game. Uh, so like we stopped sharing blunts a long time ago. What we do is we smoke and we offer here. This is what I'm smoking. Roll you a piece of that fill and taste what I'm smoking in your own way on how you roll it. You know, give people that safety, especially now it even works more. Absolutely. Especially now. I, mean, I think, you know, the, but now have you noticed though, you know, I mean, I know there used to be not used to be how we all consumed, you know, you normally go over a friend's house, break it out. Even if you weren't sharing the blunt or sharing the joint or sharing the pipe, you literally sat in the same room. Right. 
And now, I mean, it's become basically almost like, you know, a, a stealth by yourself activity. And, you know, I hope that by being by yourself and being kind of not stubbly, but at least being by yourself, it doesn't put it back into a closet. No, I don't think it does. Like, for, like you know, you got some people like, all right, I ain't going to lie. Like, I was just in a room where not that many people, we were masked up, but we was all smoking in the same room. We looking at it as like, hey, the, the smoke is just going to block any COVID that's floating around. We're going to smoke this area out so bad that COVID not even going to survive through all this smoke. So it's uh, any COVID that's coming my way is going to fall right to the ground from this cannabis that I'm blowing out. So, but we still have precautions on, and you're right. It did kind of slow, kind of slow down the, uh, I guess the circulation of people actually enjoying cannabis around each other a little bit, but I don't think it's going to stop it though. I don't think it's going to really, you know, it's just slowed it down at a level. We didn't know. We have noticed that the industry has almost seemed to be a little bit close to COVID proof in the sense that sales of cannabis are up all over the country. And we just noticed what just happened in November. Your home state, New Jersey, just legalized for recreation, did it not? Ooh, yes, sir. We'll be fully legalized January 1st. That's January 1st. And let's just hope that they implement the administrative process to get it out there and make it available, right? That's right. Well, we haven't legalized growing part, the growing part of it. Like we can't grow plants. They haven't legalized that part yet. We're recreational legalized, but we can't grow plants yet. So hopefully they implement that. You can't individually grow a plant, but no. you, if you're in a business, you can have a grow. Exactly. Process. And now can you sell the plant? Do you know if the law allows you to sell a plant? You can't even sell a whole plant. No, no. I don't you have so. to, you have to, it, it, is New Jersey law such that you've got to sell just extracts? No, you know what? That is a whole nother law itself as in, as in itself too. Like everything will be implemented January 1st. Like I had a good conversation with Scott Rudder. Like I said before, uh, president of the Cannabis, Cannabis Association for New Jersey. So when the first come out, when the first of January come out, I will be on the front line of just learning these laws and seeing what's implemented, seeing what we're able to do, because even he didn't have all the answers yet, because it's still up in the air. Huh? Like, yeah, you know, I mean, now I know the law was passed, but now I guess every single individual small municipality gets to weigh in now, whether yeah. or not they can have it in their town. And I mean, I, I think that, you know, though it was exciting that, you know, this election brought about change around the country. Five different states have implemented or passed some sort of new regulation. But it's going to be, you know, hell getting some of this regulation put in place. I mean, you look at South Dakota. South Dakota, you got legislators up there trying to sue the state to stop it from happening. So it's really ridiculous. But why do, least, think, uh, why do you think? They, why do you think they just don't understand? Or do you think like, let me ask you. Do you think they just, do you think it is, do they think some of the people that don't believe in the cannabis movement in these states, some of these officials, do you think it's because they think it's going to bring a certain fabric to their state that they don't want or, or do they, I mean, like, let me hear from your point of view. I, I think honestly, my friend, I tell you what, that's a per perfect place to stop for a second. I got to pay some bills, got to take a little bit of a break. Okay. Let me take that break, come back and I'll give you an answer because you know, it, may, it may surprise you, but you know, I'm one of those that uh, you know, still feels very strongly about the fact that we live in a society filled with hate, more so than we think. I know that in some ways people think that it's been up and prevalent and in your face, I don't think people even understand the level of hate that's going on in this country. And, you know, some of those who are opposed to cannabis, their hearts are so filled with the hate of lies that they've been told for the last 80 years that they can't get beyond it. But I'm gonna give you more of an answer when I come back. Let me take a little break. We're on with Let's Be Blunt and the one and only red man, Reginald Moore, here today. All right, we'll, take a we'll be back right after this. Thanks so much for tuning in to Let's Be Blunt with Montel today. And I can't thank you enough for being a part of the show because today we got one of the best guests I think I've ever had. Our guest today is a rapper. He's a DJ. He's a record producer. He's an actor. He rose to fame in the early 1990s as an artist on the Def Jam label and is well known for his collaborations with his close friend, 
Method Man as one half of the rap duo Method Man and Breadman. That's right, Breadman himself. He released his debut album back in 1992 and was named Rapper of the Year by Source Magazine. He's gone on to release many more gold albums, starred in numerous films and video games. Mr. Reginald Noble, thank you so much, Reggie, Batman, Breadman, for being here, brother. Oh, what's good with it? Yeah, look, right before we went to break, you asked me a question. Why do I think that, you know, people are being the way they are when it comes to cannabis, my friend? I got to tell you. As far as the states, as far as the, like, the officials, the governors that don't want to pass this law. I think in some ways, you know, a lot of these people have seen this as, and I've used this term and it hasn't caught on, but I'm going to share it with you. The term that I say, a, you know, enslavement tool. When slavery was lifted in the latter part of two centuries ago, you know, after the Civil War, you know, they looked for every way, shape, and form to arrest people of color and put us away. And, you know, they didn't do much good in putting us away during Prohibition because it wasn't an industry that was literally, you know, supported that much by people of color. And, you know, we didn't have positions of authority in, you know, the alcohol industry. But there was this industry that was burgeoning across the country in cannabis and cannabis was being utilized by more people of color. And, you know, honestly, I think the haters who literally passed the first laws to criminalize cannabis were using it as a tool to stack the deck and continue to arrest people of color. Absolutely. And a lot of these states don't want to turn the tables back. They don't want to say that we made a mistake. Are you kidding me? You know, and when we know for a fact that since 1937, since the marijuana tax act was put into place, um, close to 80% of those who have been arrested for cannabis are people of color. Now, all of a sudden, if you take that tool out of somebody's hand, you affect multiple verticals in this country. Think about the prisons, the for-profit prisons that were lining their pockets by arresting little black boys and little Hispanic boys on corners who had maybe, you know, $5 worth of weed in their pocket. They can't put them away for 20 and 30 years anymore. So how do we keep those prison cells, you know, filled when, you know, we know that crime when it comes to murder and burglary and other crimes in the African-American community had been on the downturn for decades. The only tool that they've had in some of these places to continue to arrest has been cannabis, my friend. So I, you know, I know that seems like I'm one dimensional, but I think that there are people out there that hate so much that they just need to have a reason to put you and me in jail and they lost one. Mm. And they're gonna fight that every step of the way to make sure that they can keep it. Mm. And some of those states that pass laws now are the ones that recognize the fact that other states are getting revenue that they weren't getting. So how do we get revenue, but still get to lock people up? Oh, my goodness. It's going to make the brain cells in my brain start fighting each other. Um, so I, I think, though, what's going to happen, and we've seen, especially during COVID, that a lot of people have made some really poignant choices. People have decided that, you know, I'm not going to sit around and knock out a fifth of vodka every night. I can sit around and smoke a half a joint and have the same effect and wake up in the morning feeling good rather than feeling like I knocked out that half a fifth of vodka. So people are making changes. And I think when we come out of COVID, we're going to see more states step up to the plate and implement more cannabis regulations to allow for its adult use. And we're going to start to see more and more people recognize what they knew for 3,000 years before it was banned and turned illegal by the United States leading the way. But this is something that's part of who we are as mammals. And this is something that we should enjoy rather than fight against. This is something that can make life better rather than make life worse. So I'm hoping over the next two to three years, we're gonna start seeing some changes where it's not just legislation so that people can make more money, taxes, it's legislation because people understand that it has a better outcome in the end. Mm-hmm. It starts to help people get off of some of the medications that they have been addicted to and been forced to utilize just to feed a pharmaceutical industry's greedy pockets rather than actually taking care of mankind. We do know 
And cannabis helps people, especially as they age, relieve the dependency on some of these drugs that are just so deleterious to their health. And I think we're going to start to see more and more people make that choice, make a choice for health and wellness through cannabis rather than make a choice through pharmaceuticals. And that's what I'm looking forward to and hoping, you know, that that, that starts better. And that's starting to bounce at the every man level. You know what I mean? It's not just in the big cities. I mean, you know, that's the reason why a lot of big city dispensaries have been making big livings off of delivering cannabis into the suburbs. So, you know, I think we're going to start to see a little bit more of that. And, and I think that's something to, to look forward to positively. It's something that you and I ought to capitalize on, my friend. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, look, Reggie, why don't you tell me a little bit about this Reginald Noble School of Technology, Methodologies, and Training, known as the Reggie Noble Tech. Tell me a little bit about that. I heard about this, man. What's going on? The Reggie Noble Tech? Oh, well, you know what? Um, like, this was an idea brought up to, uh, far as uh, someone wanting to work and actually put a, a school under my name. Like, the preliminaries ain't really worked out yet. It was an idea still in the making. Um, but anyway, I can help the youth. That's what I'm all about, you know, uh, for the youth to kind of work as they learn kind of thing. You know, um, you know, I'm, I, I tried college, college, I did two years of college. It wasn't for me. I, I, I followed my goal. I followed my career, what I wanted to do. And, um, a lot of people may not want to go to college to just learn what they want to learn right off the hand right there. So I want to help provide a service where kids can actually come learn a trade, learn about technology, because that's the way of the world is technology. And, um, as well, besides loving people and, and treating people with respect, technology, I think a lot of kids can benefit from it by learning. And it was an idea presented to me by having a school, you know, named after me that's uh, teaching these kids with the technology. It's not out there yet. Um, like I said, it was an idea brought to me. And you're still working on it though, right? Absolutely. 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 What other projects are you working on right now, my friend? Um, besides the album Muddy Waters 2, that's uh, really been in high demand for the last like four or five years. Um, besides the radio show, uh, dealing with, uh, you know, thanks to Big Brother LL, uh, Cool J for, you know, he has a platform. He took over the Sirius XM platform, Rock the Bells radio show is his platform now. And uh, I, I have a platform under him now. He allowed me to go radio. So that's a new outlet that I'm enjoying as well. And I should right. shout out, I'm going to shout out and let people know that you just interviewed me on there. So oh. I'm going to be on there pretty soon. Absolutely. And, you, and uh, amazing interview. Thank you, Unc. But besides that, bro, like, um, it's just so much I got my hands in. Like, I'm directing. I'm directing all my videos that's coming up uh, in California as soon as they lift up the COVID lore out there. I'm afraid to go to Cali. As soon as I get out there, I'm directing all my videos and directing this movie short. Um, I also, uh, I'm also, remember I was talking to you before about the uh, Canamark business I was in about, you know, the safety of edibles. And we have the uh, 100% uh, all edible warning label that you can actually, you know, check the scan of that edible if the wrapper is off of it. And tell where that candy came from but we done moved up with the tech now where we're actually helping farmers uh through colds now and we started up a. uh let me get my uh yeah we actually uh starting up uh a, a campaign called red man's underground green and if you go to their website you know and you can actually uh fill out the application, if you're a farmer, and it's about helping the cultivators, about helping the farmers being able to track their, their product. Because, you know, once they give it to the dispensary, that's it. So now we, we're giving them these PR codes and we set up a, 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 I would say we set up a platform for the farmers to now track where their product go, who's using their product, um, even to the finest detail of knowing when that last person is hitting their last joint and need an alert for new weed, you know, for new bud. So we're 
we're actually just really trying to help the farmers, man, because that's where it starts from. And I'm working with a lot of farmers out in Northern Cali, man. They love me out there, out there in the redwoods of Cali. And they love what I got going on. So tune into the Red Man's Underground Green. Go to the website um, and, and, and check out what we're doing. We just started up, but that's my goal, Unc, to really help the industry be behind the responsibility of, you know, uh, indulging in cannabis, you know. Sure. Can fans expect another collaboration between you and Method Man anytime soon? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Red Man Black, Red Man and Method Man Blackout 3 album. We are going to work on that in the beginning of the year after we put out our solo albums. Another movie. Um, How High 3 or something like that. I say, I tell Meth all the time, listen, listen, Cheech and Chong have paved the way of doing independent cannabis, cannabis films. I would love to go that route. We don't have to have the big budget. We don't have to have the big, we can just shoot and make it funny. Let me tell you, my friend, I, you know, man, I, I'm going to share a little note that before we even started this interview, I said to you, man, I think we ought to do collaborate on a on a movie like that. You could put your whole album as a soundtrack in that movie to help promote. Well, you and I ought to sit down and write write a film. Maybe it'd be do something like that. Bring Method Man in, man. Put it together and put the three of us on the screen together. Come on, man. Listen, man. I already told you. Like when we talked about this before this interview, even if you wanted to just keep it me and you, Unc, whatever, yo, I'm down for it because that is a look that people will love right now. I, I, I agree with you 100%, my brother. I'm telling you, I think that if we literally focus in real quick, put our heads together, we can get this thing funded just like that and be out there shooting something. Again, you don't need a really big budget. You just need to be able to get the information out there and have some fun. Put you and I on a screen together. Come on, man. I think we, we light up the house. It got, it got to be funny and off the hook and edgy. Um, I can't do nothing that's just typical. Like it gotta be way out there. Like we gotta take people from by surprise, man. They ain't exactly. know what. Exactly. Absolutely. And so, um, I don't mean to cut you off. So, just at the end of the day, like everything, far as like what I've been working on, like I, I can honestly tell my fans out there that I can actually see the growth in me and how I'm working. And it's not just about me putting out music and y'all waiting on music. Now, like I'm, I'm dealing with different, a, a whole lot of different entities of business. And I want my fans to, you know, just check me out as, look at me now as a businessman, then just red man, the guy that's going to put out some good music. And hopefully I can prove that to you guys within these next couple of years with business I do far as even getting my own CBD line to help, you know, you know, people with pain, you know, I'm just all about just helping people. And I find out Unc, that once I, once I, I stopped chasing the money and I chased the opportunity to help people, oh, everything else come in abundance. It comes greatly. And I had to learn that five years ago because everyone is like, I got to get this. I got to get this. And it's like, no, chase the opportunity to help. And that will come about. So, and that's one of the things I can help. Uh, I can honestly thank you for it too. Just from your words of encouragement, you helped me get to that part of my journey. Well, you know, man, let me tell you, when we recognize that we don't live on this planet as an island, we live on this planet, not for self alone, but for what we can do for others. If you put others first, everything for you will come in spades. Now, dude, I tell you, I want to wish you, you know, really for heartfelt, you know, my condolences go out to you because I understand that you just lost your beloved pit bull daddy, right? Yeah, well, yeah, that, I lost him like maybe seven years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought yeah, it was yeah, no, 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 it's good, but he was a star, huh? Star in his own right. As a matter of fact, he was Susan Bolan's right hand dog on his on uh, the Dog Whisperer, right? Absolutely. And uh, for the guys that know the history of uh, me and Caesar, we was like I knew Caesar ever since like 1999 or early 2000. And the only dogs that he had was me, uh, Will Smith dog, and Tash Tashina Arnold dog. All our dogs were kind of family. And I, my dog wasn't the wasn't the pick of the litter. Like he was just so fun that I just had to get him and grab him. He was so beautiful. And I watched Caesar Milan. He was the guy, actually, if people reach back and go back, he was the guy that walked in LA with all the Rockwallers. There was a, 
a news clip or uh there was a news clip or a news article on him, a guy walking through LA with a gang of rock wallers with no leash. And he was teaching them just through energy and movement. And I ended up being a good friend of his and the family. And it got to a point uh, where the dog, I was so much on the road, the dog wasn't going to be as thorough staying with me. So I let Caesar Milan have him. He ended him, him and Caesar got along so well that he became a star uh, and helped his family. Like my dog helped his family along with him teaching my dog, but it helped him get a show. My dog was, my dog was on Oprah. My dog had his own uh, trailer on the back of a tour bus. Like they had their own tour bus. And then my dog had his own bus in the back. So in a way, I'm just so proud to say that I actually had a dog that was actually helped cross the barriers of what a pit bull is. And, you know, don't be afraid of a pit bull because that was what Caesar Milan show was about. Not about just teaching a dog to move off your energy and instead of yelling and abuse, but he also wanted to implement that pit bulls were not the danger. It was, they were looked at as a vicious animal and daddy helped bring that that fabric across the board that we are okay. Pit bulls are okay to have. So I'm just. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that, you know, Caesar also made sure that people understood that all dogs were not that. They exactly. weren't just animals. Exactly. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable show. Good show. Now, brother, you decided to go ahead and seek out some education in the cannabis world. So you attended Oaksdam University, right? Absolutely. Uh, with my boy, Hector Canessa, uh, we uh, I, I went out there to stay at his crib. We took a crash course. We took a crash course and I am now a licensed patient consultant. I can work in an industry um, in a dispensary. Yes. And, and you, do you remember what, what was your, what was your curriculum? Forrest? Well, I'm sorry. What, what did you study specifically? Do you study well, how the, to be a patient? The, the crash course was about the properties of marijuana, of, you know, the cannabinoids, of the, T, the THC, CBD, learning about, like before I went to that class, I was just smoking. Like I got high. After that class, now I knew it helped people with seizures and, and, and what it was really for and how it is helping people, how you can cook with it, how you can make edibles, how you can make concentrates out of it, how it's helping people with different, di like I didn't know that people can be cured and, and their uh, cancer pain can be allevi alleviated through cannabis before I went to that school. So I was on the front line and, and I went there when it was, when it was first starting, um, when it first, when it first started. So I was there like, like maybe like the third alumni of that school. And like I said, man, it was a good thing to just learn. And I took it on my own to do it. Um, like, cause I'm like, I've been smoking this shit and putting it on the line for years. Why not learn if it's a school that's going to have, give me the opportunity to learn more about it. Why not try it? And I learned so much. So that's why now I got my certificate. I'm an alumni and I am a licensed patient consultant now. Absolutely. And, then, and you are working in the industry trying to make the better, make the industry better. So I got to applaud you for that, my friend. Absolutely. Honestly. Now, you know, when you talk about you know, the industry, what are your views on, you know, this whole social equity program and social equity opportunities? Because, you know, there's a lot of states supposedly have social equity programs as part of their legislation, but they don't implement them in any way that is really truly social equity. Well, as far as that, uh, like I said, I'm not political, but what I do know from just using common sense, it's like plans have to be made. Communications have, commun it, it, needs me, it needs to be more communication between, for example, all right, in, in my city, parts the 211 immediate, parts the 211 media uh, community impact, we're, we're in touch with our mayor. Our mayor is from our neighborhood. Our chief of police is from our neighborhood. Cory Booker was once the mayor of my neighborhood. He is now in the bigger office and in, in the governor's office and stuff now. So if we have a problem socially, economically, it's up to it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a communication gap between 
the people and what needs to be done in the state, in any state. And I'm just telling it from my point of view, because like I said, I'm not political and I don't get too deep. But what I can see is working through my nonprofit on how we got good connection. You have to know your business. You have to have an organization that knows how to talk. And and it's going to take years. It's going to take, it's not going to happen overnight, but at least you need to start implementing, you know, socially, uh, economically, what your state needs, what your city needs. Sometimes it needs to start from a ward. It needs to start from a city, then grow to the state. Because like I said, we're here on the front lines. We're doing it. And anybody that want to check out what we're doing, please tune into 211 Community, Community Impact. But um, what I'm saying is, from us talking to our mayor and being connected in the work we're doing and just seeing how an average person without that connection that's out there saying our city needs this, our state, our state needs that. It's going to take a little bit more than that. It's going to take groups of organizations to really get together that know their business, that know what they're talking about with a team of people that know what they're talking about and speak for the people the right way. Because right now in our city, we can actually talk. Red man can actually say for Newark, New Jersey, we're doing this. In Newark, New Jersey, our mayor and us are doing this for the community. Um, Cory Booker, we can talk to him. Cory Booker, we, we're doing this down here. Can we get some kind of aid down this way to help us along this journey? We have that connection because we work for that. And I think if more people would build on that instead of being on the sideline saying we need this, we need this and actually organize more and, and, and be more affirmative of what they're talking about to the state and what, whoever they got to get talk to to get up that ladder to really make a difference. then that's what it is. Just from my point of view. Um, okay. But then, now do you think though in New Jersey, like in so many other States, people of color are going to be disproportionately left out of this whole new now legalization of cannabis? Yes, yes. If they're not on a job, yes. And it, like I said, it all starts from home. If you're already putting in the work in your city, then you know the temperature of your city and state. But if you're not putting in no work far as even helping and you trying to get in a cannabis industry and, and be successful, then what temperature do you know? Who are you going to go to when you need to open up a successful dispensary and be in a neighborhood that's going to allow it, you know, you have to have connections and you have to implement some kind of social uh, awareness with your community to be successful in anything, rapping, being a doctor, open a dispensary, anything. So if you don't tap into the laws, if you don't tap into the resources that they're giving you because they're not keeping it away from you, the further you read, the further you can see, Bottom line, that's what I think. That's what KRS One says. And if you're, you will be left out if you don't tune in to these websites and all the info that they do give you and keep up on the laws and regulations. Because in Jersey, they can tell you they're going to stop the big uh, wigs to come in, far as you know, Wall Street guys just buying up everything. So we're not left with any licenses. But if you're in there in the beginning and you're actually making a difference in your community and working with people, and you're, you're moving up the ladder to talk to these head people that's passing the laws and making the regulations, then you might have a better chance. But it's very slim if you do not research. I got you. I got you. So, my brother, what do you think is going to happen this, this coming year, 2021? I know, you know, in about though, 22 days, we should hopefully have a new president. I mean, there's, you know, this guy that's in there right now, puts a block on that in a, in a way that nobody wants, but let's say uh, we do get a new president, new vice president in there. What are you uh, looking forward to? And what do you want to see happen in 2021? Well, of course I want to see, everybody want to see change. Uh, we want to see, uh, first of all, I want to see them get us out this uh, situation with the COVID and this economic drop that's happening to America. I really think it's really sickening that, the, uh, the, the Americans that put in work to have their own business are just losing their business because of this COVID and what's going on. It's really sickening to me. So hopefully they the first thing that I hope they can do when they get in there is solve this issue and bring the economic value of America back up to where it's supposed to be. Second, I hope that they're in there 
I hope far as the cannabis laws that they help pass it federal. I know it's a slim chance, but in some way, I hope they can work on start making the cannabis law pass federally. You know, that's my one of my biggest things. Besides them doing what they're supposed to do as they're supposed to in office as president and vice president. Shouts out to them. But doing their job, but also just being more communicative of what's going on in America and solving these issues that need to be done right now. And then right now, we need to be pulled out this economic drop that everyone in uh, is in because it's only going to get worse um, if it don't change. And it's going to get to a point where people are going to do anything to eat because they're doing it now, especially here in the tri-state in the heart of it. It's people here doing anything to eat, um, and it's crazy. So hopefully they can solve that, and then we can move to the issues that need to be dealt with. Absolutely. Well, my friend, I tell you, you know, you always have a home here. Let's be blunt. Anytime you want to drop anything, you want to share anything with us, man, I'd love to have you back. And, you know, we're going to sit down and uh, figure out some times over the next couple of weeks where we can collaborate, collaborate on a couple of things. And uh, my best to all your friends, your family. I want you to make sure, Reggie, you have a wonderful, safe New Year's Eve, my brother. Absolutely. And I hope 2021 is the most prosperous year you've ever seen. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, and, and, and I wish the same with you and the family. Give them my peace, love and safety. Everyone that's on the uh, network here as well. Give your families my peace, love and safety. And um, let's work. You know, let's I'm going to stay on you. Look, now, now we got it. It's out there in front of us. We got to do it. And I'm ready to do it with you, my brother. Hey, say no more. Um, thank you for having me. I'm here, man. Thank you for having me on. Let's be blunt, baby. Absolutely. Give them a shout out again to your radio show that's on Sirius. Okay, yeah, y'all can check my radio show out. It's it's called the Muddy Waters Rock the Bells Radio Show. It comes Muddy on Waters Rock, Rock the Bells. Ready? Muddy Waters Rock the Bell, right? Muddy Waters Rock the Bells Radio Show. It's on Channel 43 once a month after the 20th of every month. And uh, y'all see for the dates. So if you want to see for the dates of my show, check out my IG, Redman Giller, G-I-L-L-A on IG and check out my dates of my show. It'd be off the hook. It'd be off the hook. It's about life, music, and cannabis. And clearly off the hook. I did it today, folks. I'm telling you, I had a really wonderful experience with Reggie. Reggie's such a good host. And um, again, my brother, I can't wait to collaborate this year. I think we're going to knock it out the park by the end of 2021. Absolutely. I learned a lot from you, Unc. Like, you know, I ain't down pack with it, but I learned a lot from you, Unc. Like, learning how to talk and learning how to host and stuff. So I'm still getting it. I was a little nervous today of interviewing my Unc, but you made me feel comfortable. And, and thank you for everything, Unc. Just, just thank you for being you, your motivation, your inspiration, just your light, man. We all appreciate it. Everyone in the rap industry loves you. R&B, everyone Knows you as Uncle Monty, man, and we love you, Unc, man. Don't never forget that, Unc. For real, for right, real, bro. Right back at you, my brother. You stay well. Peace, yes, and make sir. sure you tune into the next. Let's be blunt with Montel. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback, also. So please send us your comments. <laughs> Ha ha ha!